first off, just want to send out some stick taps for yesterday. Uh, Satyar Shah taking the reins and steering the ship in the right direction. So just wanted to send some props to Satyar for, for filling in for both myself and Jeff yesterday. Uh, Matt Marchese in for Jeff Merrick today. Jeff will be back on Thursday. Uh, you will have me again tomorrow. So last night, <clears throat> big night in the Eastern Conference wildcard race. And, and Pittsburgh really, really struggling here. And you start to wonder, you know, last night, Dylan Ferguson gets called up by the Senators. He makes 47 saves. It's not a fault of the Pittsburgh Penguins for not trying literally everything, you know, throwing all they have and the kitchen sink at them. But in this part of the season, you got to have those wins against teams that are not in the playoffs. And last night, the 2-1 loss moves them out of the second wildcard spot thanks to a big win by the Florida Panthers. And, And in that game... Sasha Barkov becomes the all-time leading Panther scorer, passing his former running mate in Jonathan Huberdeau. And just on Barkov, he's one of those players that, firstly, you would hope that he would stay a little bit healthier than he has throughout his career, especially the last three years. And so Barkov is just one of those guys that you really, really wish could just stay healthy, play a full season. Cause when, when he has played a full season or close to it, we've seen him put up big numbers. And, and this year, you know, he's been kind of bit by the injury bug. He's played, I think 58 games. And it's just been a shame because you, you start to wonder about guys like that and say, well, what if they could stay healthy? What if we could see them at the fullest of their potential? And, and to that point last year, 88 points in 67 games in his first in his in the one season that he's played 82 games. He had 96 points this year, 61 points in 56 games, but no question the best player in Florida franchise history. And I, and I remember around the time that he got drafted that 2013 draft, that there was some talk about the Panthers taking Seth Jones at number two and Dale Talon went up to the podium, took Sasha Barkov and never looked back. And when you do look back on that, what a pick it was. Captain of the team. He's, again, all-time leading scorer. And he's just he's just so fun to watch. Good in his own end. Like, he is the prototypical two-way forward who has oodles of skill that he can use on offense. So congratulations to Sasha Barkov. Congratulations to the Panthers as they get into a playoff spot for the time being. Another team that... I really had a hard time kind of figuring out what the heck they were going to do following their Stanley Cup victory last year. It was the Colorado Avalanche. And, and I'll be honest, there was a time that I thought that the Colorado Avalanche were not going to get into the playoffs. I know that's a bad look now. I get it. But there was a time, and it wasn't because of, they just they weren't playing well. They were, they're still getting hammered by the injury bug. And so I I just looked at it and said, after a lengthy playoff run with all the injuries that they've dealt with, especially their captain being out for the whole season to this point, and it doesn't look like he's going to play in any regular season games. I just had this thought that I don't think that they have it. Kale McCarr's missed a bunch of time. Nathan McKinnon missed time. The only constant in that lineup throughout the season. Oh, they also lost Nazem Kadri to free agency. The only constant to this team this season has been Miko Rantanen, and he scored again last night, 5 nothing victory over the Chicago Blackhawks, and he is staring down his first ever 50-goal season. And 
I know we throw around the underrated label a lot. But my goodness, this has to be one of, if not the most underappreciated, let's call it, potential 50-goal campaign that I've seen maybe ever. He doesn't get the same amount of spotlight as, you know, your McKinnons, your McCars, and when Landeskog, I mean, less so Landeskog, but those, those two guys take a bunch of the spotlight. And for good reason, they're incredible hockey players. But Miko Rantanen <laughs> quietly is in the top three in goals. Like, nobody's catching Connor McDavid. We know that. But Miko Rantanen is having a fantastic season. And this is coming off the heels of a fantastic year last year where, again, when Nathan McKinnon missed time, that he was kind of carrying this team. It was him. It was Kadri. It was Landis Gog. But front and center was Miko Rantanen. And, and Jeff made reference about that, that world junior team that Rantanen was on that was, that was really stacked. Rantanen's up to 47 goals. Last year, he set a career high with 36 and 92 points. He's got 85 points on the season. Dare I say that in the remaining games that the Avs have, that Miko Rantanen is going to break his career high in points, which is 92. Imagine having a quiet 95 to 100 point season. To me, that's incredible. On a, on a defending Stanley Cup team that, oh, by the way, is very, very close to top spot in the Central Division. They're just a couple points away. And if I had said, if, if I had had that thought, I, I couldn't have that thought that they could even challenge for the Central Division because Winnipeg was playing so well and Minnesota really picked up their game. And, and so I look at it and say, Watch out for the Colorado Avalanche. They didn't make the big splash at the deadline. They didn't have the space. Or they didn't have the, the assets to make the move. They probably had the space with Landeskog on LTIR. But they didn't have the pieces. Their big move was bringing in Lars Eller, which I like. And then they brought back Jack Johnson. Colorado Avalanche are going to be scary, scary good in the playoffs. That's no secret. I know I was hard on the goalies earlier in the year with Alexander Gorgiev. But he got the shutout yesterday, albeit against the Blackhawks. God, the Blackhawks, not very good. That's a rough season in Chicago. My goodness. But the Colorado Avalanche are flying right now, and they could end up, even after all of this, could still end up as the top spot in the Western Conference. Go figure. Matt Marchesian for Jeff Merrick. Let's get the show started. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Apparently, I gave Lance the wrong number for Elliot Friedman. Coming up on the show, Elliot Friedman, in just a couple seconds here. Adam Vingen, we'll talk about the Nashville Predators and, and how the heck they're doing this after all these trades and still managing to be in a playoff or in the playoff hunt. Mike Fudo will also join us. We'll take a look around the league. And Megan Angley, we'll talk about those Colorado Avalanche. Uh, Elliot Friedman joining me on the line from, I would, I, I would assume, sunny Vancouver, Elliot. Yeah, it's not that sunny. Oh, okay. I guess it's Vancouver in March. Yeah, it's Vancouver in March. It's not <laughs> bad. But, of course, like the two days I was in just in Dallas, they were like the coldest two days of the year in Dallas. <laughs> Lucky guy. Um, okay, so I, I wanted to – I was just talking about the Colorado Avalanche. And, you know, there was a time, and probably foolish of me, that I didn't think that they were 
not that they were going to not make the playoffs, but I thought it was going to be a struggle because they weren't playing all that well. They were just, the injuries were just piling up and they have been all year. Like they've, they haven't been healthy all season. Landis Gog injury aside, McKinnon's spent time out. Um, Ranton has missed a couple games. Like we can go down the list. Josh Manson, keep going. But they are quietly making a charge for the central division crown. And I, I don't want to say that nobody's talking about them as a cup favorite again, but it does feel like in some weird roundabout way that they're kind of flying under the radar here. First of all, I'd just like to say, Matt, I just won a bet with myself against you. <laughs> and that is that could I go into my hotel elevator and go all the way down from where I was to the lobby while Matt was still answering, asking the question. And I bet yes, and I won. Is, I just want to say that. Is that a shot against my long questions, Elliot? No, I think, because you know what? One thing I've learned over the years is that every single one of us is like that. <laughs> we all like to ask. We all think that we're all these wizards at asking questions. And I know I've overthought it plenty of times in my own career. We all think we're these question-asking wizards. So we just go as long as we possibly can because we think it's genius. That somehow if we don't ask short if we ask short questions, people aren't going to think we're as good at asking questions. I just don't want anyway, short answers, that's all. Yeah, you're not going to get one from me. You know that by that's now. That's true. Uh, you know, I, I look at it this way with Colorado. I think everything you said is right. Um, you know, I, I think the one thing that we always forget is that winning in this league is really hard. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's really hard. If uh, you know if 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 winning was so easy in the last 30 years, 32 years, we'd have 32 different Stanley Cup winners, and we all know we don't have that. And I, I just think that it takes a big pull out of, out of teams, and that's why I'm so unbelievably impressed at what Tampa has done, and why I think that um, uh, you know underestimating their chances at any time is, is, is a stupid mistake. Um, you know, Colorado, I mean, what, they're one point out of first place now in their division. Yep. Uh, as you said, they've had a litany of injuries. I think that the biggest thing for them right now is that Landis Gog is skating with the team in a non-contact jersey. You know, it, it's tough to tell fact from fiction sometimes, um, Matt, but there has definitely been a lot, a lot of questions about will Landis God be okay to play? And Sean Reynolds asked Chris McFarland last week about it, the, the Avalanche general manager, and, and he just said, look, we're, we're hopeful. But I don't, like, to me, even that a week ago was saying nobody really knew for sure. And, and I think it gets a lot harder for the Avalanche if Landis God is not there. But I, I think the other thing, and I know the organization feels it, is they went to Finland. Uh, during the season to play that game uh, against Columbus. And I heard that one of the things the team said after that trip was over, like in their debrief with the league, is that you can't do those in season. They take too long to get over. Like you think about it, at least the Blue Jackets, they're an Eastern Conference team in the Eastern time zone. You know, the Avalanche are a, a, a mountain time team. And I, I just think going back and forth like that, in addition to all their injuries, took a lot out of them. And I think they're finally getting settled. They're finally going. And I think one of the best players in the NHL that nobody talks about now is, is Bowen Byram. Yeah, he, and you know what? Like, he's been, he's been really good 
all season. Yeah. Like when he's played, I know he dealt with some issues earlier on in the year, but he's been really good when he's played. The other thing is, is when Kale McCarr is out, he's also really good. I yeah. do. You, do you have? Do you know what Colorado's record is without Kale McCarr in the lineup? Because I think this is really telling about how good this team has been. Because uh, I do have well, it. Hit me. What is it? Eleven, two, and one without Kale McCarr in the lineup this year. Well, that just proves he stinks. <laughs> well, he does say every time he's in the lineup, he feels like they lose. So, I mean, I get it. But th- that to me is just a, an indication of a team that plays their systems really well. And they've got, like, you don't have a guy that fills in for Kale McCarr. That's that's not possible. But they do have st- they have depth around these guys that when somebody misses some time, the other guys do step up in their place. Look at what happened last year when McKinnon missed all that time. Rantanen went on a tear. And again, he's on a tear again this year. He's got 47 goals. They're, I, I just can't believe that we're, we're not talking. And I don't think we're talking enough about how good Colorado is going into the playoffs here. Well, I, I think it's a bit boring, right? Like everybody knows they're good. Uh, everyone really knows, uh, knows how talented they are. It's, it's a bit boring to talk about the reigning Stanley Cup champion. You kind of want to move on to the new shiny toy. So I think that's what happens. Also, it took them a while to get where they are. Like, you know, the one thing about them without McCarr is that um, it kind of reminds me, like there were times when Crosby would be out of the lineup in Pittsburgh and, and Malkin would just go wild. Yeah. Like, it's almost like, you know, he kind of enjoyed the challenge of, okay, Sid's out. It's, it's my team right now. And I'm going to put them on my back. I, I think there's, you know, like McKinnon, like the, I think the thing that really helps Colorado win, like I think there's two things that help teams win in the NHL. One is great talent. Like, you can't win without great talent. And the other is great will. And, like, that's the way it goes. uh, Great talent doesn't win without great will, and great will doesn't win without great talent. And uh, I I think Colorado has those things. Like, the guys at the top of that roster, from McKinnon on down, they're hugely competitive and hugely talented people. And I, I think that there are some teams that when a top player goes down, it motivates them to show that they can still win. Like, I remember Colorado winning the Stanley Cup in, in 2001 with no uh, Peter Forsberg. Like, people didn't think they were going to beat Jersey without Forsberg, and they did in seven really tough games. And I think that just shows if you if you have both, you can win in this league. For sure. Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts running Matt Marchese here on the Jeff Merrick Show. Um, Dylan Ferguson last night. And, yeah. and I... For, I, I do feel bad in a way for Pittsburgh because they literally threw everything that they could at Dylan Ferguson yeah. last night. He makes 47 saves and it's really putting the Penguins in a tough spot here because for a while it felt like they were at least cooled for a bit. And then mm-hmm. the Panthers start winning. They get the win last night. Penguins are out of a playoff spot. Firstly, it, how many questions are there going to be about the roster construction of the Penguins going forward here if they don't make the playoffs. Like, I know that people want to say, well, maybe they shouldn't have brought back everybody, but I don't see a situation where they could have. But, you know, guys like signing Jeff Carter to a long-term deal that they can't really get out of is is going to be a big problem for this team. And they don't have a ton in the way of futures. And they brought in another guy in Mikhail Granlin. Like, how much pressure is Ron Hextall under here going into the offseason if they do not make the playoffs? Like, is it, Do you believe that there's a real conversation about him being the general manager next year? Well, I, I think so. And I, and I think, look, look, like 
all you have to do is read the stories from out there to see how people are feeling. Like sometimes the stories from media don't align uh, on the stories with fans. And, uh, but this is not one of those cases. Like, I think that like, all you have to do is just go online and read what's coming out of Pittsburgh, whether it's from Penguins fans or media, and they're all up in arms. And, you know, one of the things that's really hurt is, and this is why I think the Islanders are going to make the playoffs, the Islanders know that even though it's just Barzell out of the lineup, they've got, two, they've got an anchor back there in Sorokin and a really good backup in Varlamov. And they've got two goalies there that they know they can count on. Pittsburgh right now doesn't have it. And, you know, Florida's on a nice little tear. Uh, they, they've done a great job. They've been really inconsistent. That's why I really like the Islanders' chances. Cause I think they have the best goaltender. So, look, do I think there's pressure? Absolutely. I think, will there be consequences up and down the organization if the Penguins miss the playoffs? Yeah, I, I think you'd have to believe for sure there will be. Um, I, I look at it right now, they're not getting saves, enough of them. Um, you know, last game, like, someone sent me a text last night. I didn't get a chance to see that game. I was flying to Vancouver, but someone sent me a text saying, like, this game is so hockey. I mean, what were the shots? 50 to 20 and they lost two to one. Like that, that happens to you. And it always seems to happen to you when things are going bad. Yeah. And, um, you know, they probably deserve to win. They didn't. And all of a sudden Florida's right with them and ahead of them. And, uh, I, but I do think there's a lot of heat there. I think everybody is well aware. There's a lot of heat there and, you know, we'll see where this goes, but they're not getting enough saves. And that's probably the biggest problem right now is that, um, you know, Jari's been a really good goaltender when he's been healthy. He just hasn't been healthy enough. And I think when you're not getting the saves or you're not confident in your goaltending, uh, everything, everything else goes sideways with you. So on the Panthers, before we get into this playoff chase, because I, I still can't believe that they're there. Um, yeah. Sasha Barkov, first all-time in Panther scoring, passes Jonathan Huberdeau. And just a, just a general thought on Barkov's career, because I mentioned in my open, just I remember I remember that 2013 draft, and there was a lot of talk about the Panthers taking Seth Jones. And and Dale Talon said, like, Barkov was our guy all along, and being drafted second after Nathan McKinnon ends up being the right pick. And I, I just... I look, I look and think where the Panthers would be without Sasha Barkov, and it's it's a really scary thought because he's just been great for them. Yeah, well, first of all, he's a great player. He's a remarkably consistent player. Um, I, I've always been a huge fan of Barkov's game, and I and I think most people have been. Um, you know, I think Kachuk has had a huge effect on them. Uh, you know, like like the one thing that. It's really tough uh, not to talk about Florida and also not think of Calgary um, because those two teams made that huge trade last summer. And obviously I think Calgary is still coming to grips with everything that happened. Like sometimes it takes you longer. And, you know, like I've, we've seen a lot of situations over the years, Matt, where a team makes a big trade or signs a big free agent and the first year it just doesn't go well. And sometimes it takes a year for everything to settle. And I definitely think that's happening in Calgary. And I think in Florida, it took time. Um, maybe it's settling. Like, Chuck is going to be, I think, on a lot of uh, hard trophy ballots. I think we all know who's going to win it. 
but I think Kachuk's going to get a lot of votes. And maybe they're finally getting there. Maybe they're finally evening out. But uh, I think it's been really interesting watching Florida get consistent and get hot. Because I went down to see them in December. And you can see they were really struggling to find their identity and get themselves going right. You know, it's the one thing that's incredible to me about these this playoffs this year, this race, is that like some of the teams that have been in the playoff spot, they have allowed the teams beneath them to get back into the race. Like Pittsburgh sure has, and Winnipeg sure has, although Winnipeg has teams behind them that can't take advantage of it. So good on Florida for taking advantage, and maybe they've kind of gone through their growing pains and figured out who they are after that deal faster than Calgary has. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Calgary because they got absolutely walloped last night. They give yeah. up four in the first. They lose 8-2 to the Kings. And, like, they're not out of the playoff race by any stretch of the imagination, but it just doesn't feel like a playoff season for them the way that they've played. They haven't gotten the goaltending. They haven't gotten any elite scoring. They they haven't been able to defend very well. Like, based on how the season has gone, I feel like the organization should be absolutely thrilled that they're even in the conversation to get into the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think that's the way that conversation is going to go. Um that board, I, I saw it. Someone sent it to me last night. That board that our, uh, our Flames team put up last night about how, like all, like most goal posts in the league, um, most overtime losses, uh, record. What is it for most uh, losses when out shooting your opponent by ten, and no third period comeback wins, and they sure weren't getting that one of them last night. Like, that's an unbelievable board. Like, that's just a great job by our, our stats and our graphics department. It's, it's incredible, really, when you look at it. Um, look, I, I just think that uh, I, I, everything's off kilter there. And like I said, I think sometimes when you make a big trade or you make a free agent move, things happen that you're not expecting or your group has a difficult time getting settled. And, you know, we, sometimes we think that all these big moves, everyone's just going to plug in easy, and whoever you get is going to replace whoever you lost. And these are human beings. Um, things happen that uh, prevent that from occurring. And I just think that in Calgary this year, um, they haven't, you know, they, they haven't settled from the shock of last year's loss to Edmonton. Then, you know, Goudreau goes at a time where they really thought they were going to sign him. They thought they had him signed. Then Kachuk goes and they make the trade and in comes a player and uh, a couple of players who I think were really shocked by the deal. And Huberto in particular has, you know, really struggled to get himself going. Plus also, you know, it's clear that there's just a mix of personalities there that they have to figure out. And, you know, I, I just think that, it's, it's never been settled. And, you know, the one thing is, is that, Matt, is that winning cures everything. If you go on a big stretch and you're in a good place, winning covers up a lot of your problems. But if you're not winning, losing or struggling makes them worse. And because Calgary hasn't been able to get on enough runs, uh, they haven't been able to 
overcome just all of the, I think the way I, 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 I call it is just a, a transition, the change that needs to happen. And, you know, maybe they have to figure it out this off season. Maybe they have to do more, but I just think that, you know, basically they had to make some big changes that weren't all they're doing. And they got into a situation where it just couldn't settle. And now they're going to have to figure out how to settle it. You know what else covers up uh, a lot of mistakes? Good goaltending. And they haven't gotten that yeah. either. Like Markstrom. It's been a, you know, it's been a crazy year for Markstrom. I, you know, I, people ask me all the time, what do you think is going on with Markstrom? I don't have a good answer. You know, I know that he's better than this. Um, you know, like I said, I was traveling last night. Uh, I was on a flight from Dallas to Washington, so I, I missed a lot of action. I went to Vancouver, so I missed a lot of action. And, um, you know, I, someone actually said to me, yeah, he got lit up, but they were never in it, and he actually made some pretty huge saves. But I I don't know. I can't figure out the Marksman thing. I, I wish I had a good answer. I don't have a good answer. Uh, Dev, speaking of goaltending, Devin Levi, so he signs with the Sabres. Uh, yeah. He's in and around the rink. What do you think the plan is here for him down the stretch? Because they've also got Eric Comrie potentially returning from injury soon. Uh, three goalies yeah. is one problem to have. Four is an entirely different animal. Well, what, what I'm curious about is, like, like, and I don't know. First of all, I, I think he's a really intriguing person. Like, everybody who's, who's talked to me about uh, Levi, uh, Levi says that they're they're really he's a really thoughtful, deep guy, and that nothing like he's not afraid to be a little bit different. He contemplates in a way that a lot of other people don't necessarily contemplate. So I'm kind of fascinated by that, and I'm I'm curious about it on some level, Matt. Um, I, I you know. He's not the biggest guy, but he's obviously a very talented guy. You know, people who know much more about goaltending than I do say that he's got a huge future and he's a really talented kid. I'm almost kind of wondering if, and this is just purely my speculation, Matt, if they wait until they're officially eliminated before he gets a game. Like, I'm wondering, is he going to get a game? And, like, I just wonder if it's going to be a position where you know, the Sabres probably just don't want to throw him in raw. It's one thing, I think, to throw, like, an NCAA forward or defenseman in there raw. I think it's quite another thing to throw a goalie in there raw. And that's what I'm curious about. They wait until technically the games don't matter before they put him in there. I'm just I'm, – that's my own opinion. Nobody's told me that. Um, you know, I, I, I wonder if you get a game. I just wonder if they wait until – you know, firstly, they're eliminated or whatever, if they get eliminated before they do that. Uh, another goalie that has not been thrown into the fire, but you talk about a team that's basically eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, Joel Hofer is getting another start tonight. He'll yeah. start against Detroit. He was really good the other night. Uh, unfortunately for him, he had a skate blade issue and misses out yeah. on the shutout, uh, which is for fantasy hockey purposes. I know that irked a lot of people, um, uh-huh. but but what do you think going forward here with the Blues? Like, I, I know the Bennington thing. Well, it's a thing. Uh, these tantrums that he throws, he's trying to fight everybody, or maybe he's just um, acting like he's trying to fight everybody. Do you think that the act has worn thin enough that they at least entertain the idea of potentially moving him if the right deal comes along? Or do you think that this is the tandem going into next year with the Blues? 
Well, I think one thing we've learned about Doug Armstrong, the GM of the Blues, is that he'll trade anybody or he'll move on from anybody. Uh, I, I don't think that you, like, what, what's the old line? The, the surest prediction of future behavior is past behavior, right? Like, you look at what Doug Armstrong's done and the players he's moved on from, I, I don't think you can assume it. Like, to me, if Petrangelo wasn't sacred, nobody's sacred. Nobody. So, you know, if you were to tell me they were to move on from Bennington, I I would believe it. Um, But I also know that in this league, you need two goalies now. So if if St. Louis's goal is to try to come back and win, then I I just don't think they're doing that unless they have a replacement, unless they've just decided it's something they have to do. Um, But Hofer's a really talented guy. Um, You know, I think when... Arizona and St. Louis were having some talks about some certain things. Hofer was a thing that came up, and the, the Blues didn't want any part of that. So, you know, that's... I think they think really highly of him, and the way he's played so far, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't feel highly of him. I also like that he goes through the line, too, after they score. Not every goalie does that. Very few. I love the things that you pick up about goalies. That's a, that's incredible. I have I have to say, Merrick Merrick deserves credit for that. Of course, before Holtby came out to the NHL and did it, Merrick was the one who told me about it. Of course. Uh, quick one before we let you go here. Uh, the Rangers playing the Hurricanes tonight. The Rangers have yeah. won four in a row. They've scored five, four, six, and seven their last four games, including uh, six nothing uh, back-to-back shoutouts, six nothing against the Penguins, seven nothing against the Preds on back-to-back nights. Um, yeah. Does this just feel like a team that now that they've got settled after their acquisitions, that they've just finally found their groove, or was this just percolating under the surface uh, the whole time with this group? Well, they're very talented. I. It doesn't, it doesn't surprise me that they could have, they could have games like this. Um, the Rangers are going to be able to embarrass you if you're not having a good night. Um, you know, look, like we talked about Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's in a real bad one right now, and the Rangers took advantage. And look, and Nashville was on the back half of a back-to-back. No Yossi, backup goalie, although Lankinen's had a good year. And they took advantage, and that's what good teams do. They, they pound you when you're not 100%. I think the other thing, too, is that, you know, the Rangers are an interesting team to me. Like, one of the, one of the teams that played them recently said that, you know, in the playoffs, there's a lot of real north-south hockey. The Rangers have some real east-west guys. Like, Panarin can be an east-west guy. Kane is obviously a guy who's an east-west guy because they're so creative, they like to use the full ice, right? And I think, especially when you, the more kinds of players you have who do that, I, I think you adjust. I'm sure, you know, they were adjusting a little bit to playing with Tarasenko. I'm sure they are adjusting a little bit to playing with Kane. Um, and that's not a kind of hockey that you see a ton of in the postseason. So I, I think the Rangers had to get used to each other. But there's a lot of talent there. And like I said, Matt, there's a couple of those teams that weren't full strength, and the Rangers just took advantage of them and pounded them. Now, I have a question for you. Yes. I'm not a big uh, merchandise guy. I have some. I buy some. Mm -hmm. But what do you think of Fanatics? So uh, (laughs) I saw a tweet today that somebody said uh, the NHL has a joint partnership with the the company that t-shirts don't fit 
Um, so, so there's that. Uh, I think it was Sean Shapiro that actually had that. Listen, I have a couple of jerseys. They're really nice. Like I've got a nice Wayne Gretzky uh, black Kings jersey. That's nice. that's gorgeous. Um, I I do. I was wondering about that because you know Adidas has been big into that, and I don't know. I look around. I don't see too many companies that are into the whole jersey business. So this really felt like a no-brainer for me. Well, it's interesting. Like I, like I said, I'm not a huge merchandise person, but. I've done a little bit of work on it this morning since I woke up and, and saw the story. And, like, you, you never know. Like, is it that bad or is it the same 50 people tweeting about how they hate something? And, uh, you know, like, I didn't realize. Like, I, I've, I've done a little bit of work over the years on Fanatics and, and Ruben, the founder, and how powerful they've become. Like, it's one of those stories that kind of goes under the radar but they've done a, a really good job of taking control of the market. The one thing that I didn't realize was they've been making the MLB uniform for what about five years now. And Nike just throws the swoosh on them. Um, I, I'm, I'm really curious about this. So that, that says to me that if they handle Jersey production, that is, is capable enough that MLB wears them. It can't be that bad, but I'm, amazed at some of the stories of customer service issues. Like I, I did have one with them where I wanted to cancel an order because somebody got what I was going to buy for them. And it was a nightmare. And I, I don't like that stuff. I think that you should have a, a firm cancellation policy. And if people don't use it, you should be able to do it. So I'm a bit curious about all of that and some of the customers, I think, that seem to have some issues. But I, overall, I feel that they've been doing MLB's uniform for five years. There should be an ability to do the NHL ones properly. I'm, I'm very upset that you canceled, canceled my Allen Bester Leaf jersey. Breach. I'm really upset about that. I knew you already had six. <laughs> uh, well, uh, listen, you spent a lot of time with us today. Um, thank you, sir. Enjoy Vancouver, and I will chat with you tomorrow. Yeah, it's just a, a big thing tonight. It's a Canucks for Kids Fun Telethon, yep. I just want to mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm honored that I'm allowed to do this. They certainly could go anywhere with any other host in the world besides me, so I just really appreciate it. Have fun, buddy. All right, take care. There he goes. Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts.